Hello everyone, Mali Pontadip here, CEO of the SOAR Community Network and co-founder of the SOAR Community Nebula. Our goal is to bring to you 1,000 champions of change and community builders from all over the world who are creating positive ripple effects for society. I can't even begin to share my excitement, my gratitude, my humble appreciation for having Paul Rice with us today. Paul is the CEO of the Fair Trade USA, and he took the time out of his schedule to be with us. Thank you so much, Paul, for saying yes and for being a part of this initiative. Well, Molly, it's such an honor to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, I've just introduced who you are. Can you now share with us the work of the Fair Trade USA and your personal mission or vision behind it all? Of course, my favorite topic. <laughs> so um, 20 years ago, we started Fair Trade USA as a way to help farmers and workers around the world to lead a better life and to steward the environment in a more sustainable way at the same time. And our model is to certify products that meet a very high bar of sustainability. So we certify coffee and tea and now even t-shirts and other products. And so that lets you and me as just ordinary consumers identify which products are making a difference in the world. It, it gives each of us as a consumer a really easy way to protect the environment and help families around the world through something as simple as an everyday purchase of a cup of coffee. And your um, listeners have probably seen the Fairtrade certified label. I didn't have a, a pound of coffee here, but I had one of our, one of our um, materials. And so that's the that's the label that's on packages of, of products around the country and that uh, people will, will see uh, quite frequently at the supermarket and know that that is a product that helps make a difference in the world. Why does this matter to you so much? Like, why are you taking this on? What is it about fair trade that is personal and dear to you? Because you could have chosen any path. You could have decided to um, go a different route with where you want to spend your time, your energy, and your resources. But why fair trade for you personally, Paul? So um, I've always been concerned about the world for as long as I can remember. Um, my mother raised me that way. My mother raised me with kindness and compassion and empathy for others. And, and so as a university student, I knew that I wanted to go abroad and work with farmers and that that was the way I was going to express this desire to, to do good in the world. And so um, right out of the university, I went to Central America and landed in Nicaragua and started working with farmers. I stayed there for 11 years, working way up in the mountains uh, with small family farmers on various projects. And... Um, you know, typical of international development, those projects were well-funded by international agencies, but that whole model of top-down charity and international aid, in, in my experience, wasn't very effective. It wasn't very sustainable. Often we were making communities more dependent on foreign aid rather than helping them find their own capacity to solve their own problems. And, and so in... 1990, uh, a dear friend of mine um, named Michael Shimkin uh, reached out to me and said, uh, because he knew how disillusioned I was with the work and how 
how sad I was that the work wasn't more effective. And he, he reached out to me and he said, have you thought about ways to harness the market to this task of improving the world? Have you thought about ways to engage with companies and to engage with consumers in this task to improve the lives of farmers and workers? And I, I didn't, you know, I, I was very skeptical about companies. I didn't think companies cared. And so, you know, my answer was no. And he said, well, have you heard about fair trade? And um, it was that introduction in 1990, Michael Shimkin, who told me about fair trade and who introduced me to a fair trade company in Europe. And, um, and, and then I discovered there was one fair trade company in the United States, uh, in Boston, uh, a coffee company called Equal Exchange. And that company said to us, if you can organize Nicaragua's small coffee farmers and sell direct, We'll pay you a dollar a pound for your coffee. And at that time, the local middlemen in Nicaragua were paying 10 cents a pound. So for us, it was a fabulous shift, a, a, a dramatic increase in income. And so I, I organized Nicaragua's first fair trade co-op. We brought 3,000 families together. It was hugely successful. We had a great product. The fair trade buyers paid us a wonderful price. And I saw lives change. And so I came to realize that the market and, 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 and alliance with, with, with companies and with consumers can be the most powerful force for change that we could hope to have. And that, that changed my life forever. And it all started with Michael Shimkin, my dear friend and mentor, and that suggestion that he had, you know, did you ever consider that the market might be your ally? Wow. What I love about your sharing is that it actually answered the next question that I had intended to ask, uh, which is what mindful, thoughtful, conscious leader in your life has shifted your way of thinking? And so thank you, Michael. <laughs> is there anybody else that you would like to feature as we really highlight the community builders and champions for change? in our lives that have become role models so that we can be that for um, our community. So anyone else you'd like to feature? Well, Michael, my, Michael is, um, Michael is the person that's most, most with me. And in fact, I, um, I brought show and tell, you know, I brought Michael's picture. Isn't he adorable? So, so Michael passed away this year and, um, um, we, our friendship was more than 30 years long. He was like a father to me. I, I grew up without a father. And so Michael in many ways played that role in my life of, um, helping me expand my vision, helping me solidify my values as an agent of change, uh, as, um, as, um, um, someone committed to the, 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 the cause of social justice and, uh, and environmental sustainability. So, so Michael's my hero. In, in a world of everyday heroes where everyone has the chance to make a difference, I hold Michael very close as, as my, my, uh, my, my particular guiding light. That's fantastic. Well, I'm sending a lot of positive vibrations out there. Thank you, Michael, for delivering us and helping to create this, this wonderful soul, Paul, who we're speaking to right now. So, Paul, as you travel the world and you've worked with incredible champions of change and agents of change, as you had said there, 
are there, bless you, are there um, characteristics, um, personality traits that are consistent over time that you can count on every single time when you uh, talk about these champions of change? I'm reminded of another dear friend and, and everyday hero, a woman in Nicaragua named Merling Presa. Merling organized um, this very first fair trade cooperative in Nicaragua with me back in the 90s. She's still there 20, 29 years later. And she embodies um, some of the traits and characteristics that I most admire in change makers and people who are committed to a better world. Um, because she's, she has this great mix of uh, idealism on the one hand and pragmatism on the other. You know, she's both a dreamer and a doer. She um, is incredibly committed and dedicated to, to her cause, to her family, to her community, to this dream of a better world. But she also takes time out for self-care and, 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 and time just to be with her kids. She, um, she's firm in her vision and belief of how to change the world. So she's a fair trader. She also believes in using markets to change the world. But on the other hand, she's also very innovative and creative. And she is a person who, who questions her own assumptions on a regular basis. And I love that because I think as change makers, if we get too tied to our own ideologies and beliefs and, and strategies and assumptions, we can, we can stagnate in our, in our journey and in our usefulness. And so I think it's so important to always revisit our assumptions, revisit our beliefs, refresh our convictions, validate those those, those strategies that we've developed and those visions that we've developed. And, and, and Merling is a great example of that. Um, and, you know, I guess finally, you know, she's, she's a leader. Um, she's renowned. Uh, she sits on boards. You know, she's become kind of a thing in the global sustainability community. And yet she, um, she's never lost her, her, her humility her kindness, her compassion. And um, I think that's such a sweet and endearing quality, you know, for leaders to, um, to always stay humble and, and human and, and curious. Well, here's your chance to love on yourself a little bit since you just talked about being humble. Um, can you share with us, Paul, how are you, advancing missions how are you making change happen in the world are there other missions opportunities beyond fair trade usa that you are helping to push forward so you know i have to say that um i'll start with fair trade just because for me fair trade is is not a job uh, or, or a career, it's, it's, it's a calling. It's a calling, it, it's, it's my cause, it's, it's my personal mission. Um, 
I didn't know it was going to be that way, you know, when I started that Fair Trade Co-op in Nicaragua in 1990, so many years ago. And, or even when I started Fair Trade USA 21 years ago, I thought, oh, well, I'll do this for a few years and then I'll go do something else. And, and it's become my life. And I think in part it's because Fair Trade brings together so many different issues uh, uh, for which I have a lot of personal passion and commitment. So Fair Trade obviously is about improving the lives of workers, about improving workers' wages and their working conditions and living conditions. And, you know, we're constantly reminded when we read uh, about the state of the world that, that child labor is, is still um, a problem in so many countries around the world, that trafficking and slavery is still a problem. There are 27 million people living in slavery today, more than when slavery was legal in the world. Um, the, the, the working conditions under which so many of the world's uh, agricultural and industrial workers are, are, are unsafe and, and unhealthy. And so when we think about the state of work in the world, there's so much to do. And, and then if we think about gender equity and, and, and the role of women in society and how women continue to suffer discrimination and marginalization around the world, not just overseas, but here in our own society. Um, this is Climate Week in New York, and we think about the climate. Um, Greta, Greta Thun, Thunberg, and you know, in her quote, "I want you to act as if your house is on fire, because it is." Right? That climate change is upon us, and 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 our governments are moving too slowly. Um, immigration. So many people fleeing. Poverty, fleeing repression, fleeing um, dangerous situations in their countries of origin, not wanting to leave. People typically don't want to leave home. They leave home because they're desperate, because they have to. And so we have this huge immigration crisis on our own borders and, and on borders around the world. When you think about all these problems, one of the things that I love about the fair trade movement is that we touch all of them. We touch all of them. Uh, I just read an interview with some families on the, the, the border uh, between Mexico and the United States, and they come from the coffee communities of Central America, and one of the reasons why they're leaving home is because they can't afford to make a living anymore because coffee prices in the global market are down. Coffee prices are so low right now that these coffee families on their one acre of land are unable to provide a living for the family. And so out of hunger and desperation, they're leaving home. And fair trade pays more money back to coffee farmers. So if all of these farmers were in fair trade, they probably wouldn't need to leave home. So that just illustrates how, you know, the immigration issue, you think, well, that's not a fair trade issue. Well, actually it is. Yes. Um, climate change, you know, our farmers are required under the fair trade standard to implement sustainable agriculture and, and practices that are more um, uh, friendly for the environment. Um, so long list of chemicals that our farmers are not allowed to use. Our farmers are, are required to steward the, the land, the forest, the, the um, surface uh, water sources around their farms. So there's a whole set of criteria that fair trade farmers are audited against that um, um, aim to protect the environment and reduce climate uh, impact. So it's just, you know, I, I'm passionate about all those issues and I'm active on all of those issues. And, 
And I'm also really happy going to work every day in the fair trade movement because we touch on all of those issues. And therefore, therefore, as a consumer, as an ordinary person, uh, I think each and every one of us has the opportunity to be an everyday hero and to be active in those issues through fair trade. Because by choosing a fair trade product, we're actually helping those families to lead a better life. We're helping those workers to uh, achieve a better wage and better working conditions. We're helping farmers protect the environment. We're helping address the immigration issue. I mean, it's for so many of us, you know, we kind of scratch our heads. Well, how can, how can we make a difference on all these issues? And fair trade is one of those ways, right? With something as simple as uh, a fair trade cup of coffee or a banana or a t-shirt, you and I and, and, and millions of others have a chance to make a difference. Now, Paul, I'm going to go off script a little bit because I know you're also very, very passionate about this, and uh, as I am as well. When we spend time developing more mindful, conscious leaders so that they can create mindful, conscious businesses or nonprofits or NGOs, one of the things that um, initially we get pushback on is, well, can I be profitable and purposeful? Can I build and support sustainability in every aspect of that word, sustainability from an environmental standpoint, sustainability in terms of scaling a business? Can I incorporate sustainability practices and still make profit and thrive? So I know you have passion for this. What would you say, because you've traveled the globe talking to businesses who have decided that they're going to choose sustainability, that they're going to choose to work on these progressive ideas of saving the planet. What would you say to those who say that I don't know that I can do that because I will lose money? Yeah, it's a great question. And, um, you know, I think we're at the beginning in the early days of a whole new chapter in global capitalism. And what I mean by that is that in the past, I think capitalism represented a conflict, right, between sustainability and social responsibility on the one hand and being profitable on the other. I think many business leaders believed that there was a trade-off there. And that trade-off mentality you can be sustainable or you can be profitable, but not both. That trade-off mentality has been holding us back. And what I see happening now is the beginning of a whole new era where business leaders, business owners, entrepreneurs are discovering ways to bring those two concepts together, discovering ways to, in fact, use sustainability as a way to make the firm more profitable, more successful. So, um, you know, I'll give you an example. We, uh, we met yesterday with a company called Once Upon a Farm. And Once Upon a Farm is this fantastic new um, baby food company. Um, uh, and the actress Jennifer Garner is, is uh, involved in it. And, and John Foraker, the CEO, used to uh, lead Annie's, so he knows the food business. And this, and this lovely business, Once Upon a Farm, is producing this amazing product, right? Um, super healthy and nutritious baby food. And they've decided to go 100% organic. 
And now they're exploring the possibility of introducing fair trade into their supply chain. And they're doing these things, one, because, you know, in the case of organics, they believe that it's um, healthier and more nutritious. Um, but, but they're also addressing social and environmental issues because they think it's going to make the business more successful. So it's, it's what their values are as leaders. But it's also, from their perspective, something that's going to appeal to the consumer and that's going to make the business more successful. If you look at the research on consumers now, in general, our expectations as consumers around uh, companies' behavior and how companies treat the environment and their workers, we're expecting companies to do the right thing. And millennials and the next generation, Gen Z consumers, uh, index super high in this regard as well. They have very high expectations that companies are going to do the right thing. And um, Gen Z consumers in particular are uh, very willing to boycott companies or simply not buy from companies if they feel like that company is not doing a good job on, the so on, on social and environmental issues. So I think companies are realizing that they need to get on board with this, you know, what some have called the triple bottom line mentality, so social, environmental, and financial, um, because it's, it's the wave of the future. So I think looking ahead five years, 10 years, all companies will have to have a stand on social and environmental issues. It'll be, it'll be table stakes. What that means is that today, as a business owner, if you can figure out how to bake sustainability into your business now, you're going to be ahead of the game. You're going to be more successful than those who will follow years from now. Yeah, I was just, I think the last numbers that I saw and I read most recently was uh, up to 72% of U.S. consumers are saying that they will not likely choose your brand if they don't know what you stand for. That's so right. it's pretty high. It's a pretty significant amount. We're not talking half of the consumer population. We're talking about anyone who has purchasing power, 72% are saying, if I can't find out what you stand for and I don't know where my money is going and what causes you support, I'm just not gonna choose you, I'll choose somebody else. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. And you know, I, I would say, not only are companies gravitating in this direction because of the consumer demand, although the consumer demand is so important and so empowering, right, because you and I, we're like everyone else. We're ordinary, everyday consumers. And yet, what a powerful idea that we can vote with our dollars right. for a better world and that companies are listening. So that's powerful. But then also, you know, this came up in the conversation yesterday with Once Upon a Farm. They want the highest quality ingredients possible. And they know that if they want quality fruits and vegetables from these farmers, they need to pay a decent price. You know, it's just logical. And so there's a, there's a real alignment there between the principles of fair trade, which are all about making sure that farmers and workers get a decent wage and get a decent price for the harvest, and then the desire of companies and consumers to get high quality. So quality of life for them, quality product for us. Uh, and, and, and that's, again, one of the um, examples of how I see sustainability and responsibility being good for business, right? It'll help businesses ensure that the quality of products and the reliability of products um, are, 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 are more secure. Right. Well, we can talk about this all day. I'm fascinated by this topic. Um, okay. But we'll move, we'll move on in the, in the interview here with the next question, which is a little bit more personal to you. Um, life has not been, been easy for any of us. We've had ups and downs. And so when you've gone through 
um, moments in life where they have been painful, where you might be going through some grief. I have certainly had my share as well. Is there a philosophy, a motto, or a quote that you can share with our audience that helps to ground you and bring you back so that you can reset, reboot, and continue forward in a positive mm, way? Yeah. Hmm. So I mentioned um, earlier in the interview, I lost my dear friend and, and mentor, Michael Shimkin, uh, earlier this year, someone who was very much a father figure. I also lost my mother this year. My mother passed away uh, four months ago at the age of 95, and um, she raised me as a single mom. She was you know, probably the biggest influence on my life. And, and uh, she was a, a great fair trader as well. She believed in a better world. She believed that we all had the, the power to make a difference. And um, so it's interesting that you asked the question in relation to grief, because this has been a time of, of grief for me and for, for my family, as we mourn the loss of, uh, of this great woman, Ruth Rice. Um, you know, I... Um, I love Martin Luther King's quote uh, when he said, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. And I love that image of the long arc of history and how over time justice prevails. I think those of us who uh, aspire to be change makers and to make the world better, we, um, we face tremendous challenges, um, whether it's personal challenges like the loss of a loved one or setbacks in our work. And, uh, you know, it's hard not to get discouraged sometimes. And so for me, this, this notion that the journey is long, but it, in the end, we will prevail in the end social justice and environmental sustainability, all of these things that we're fighting for, they're happening. It happens slowly, and, and sometimes we get discouraged with the pace, but we are making progress, and there is reason to be, to be hopeful. And um, I, um, I'm very hopeful for our, our collective future, even in the face of such uh, huge challenges. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm very hopeful for all of us, and I'm inspired by, um, as you called it, the everyday heroes, uh, each and every one of us who in our own way are, are, are trying to make a difference. Thank you so much, Paul, for sharing that and for being vulnerable with our audience. Um, I want people to know that whatever, whatever is going on in our lives and whatever our titles are and whatever perception is, right? People are watching this and they're saying, wow, Paul Rice, this person I've read about that I've seen talk on seen on YouTube, he actually has a heart and he knows what it feels like to be hurt and grieve. And, um, and yet you're so lovely and kind. And um, I just want to say I'm very sorry for your loss. And at the same time, I'm grateful um, the imprint that they've made to create you as a human being so as we you, close you're very welcome paul thank you for all you do as we close out if you can imagine if you could paint a better world what would it look like what would need to happen well um 
the better world that I dream of is one in which there's no more poverty. I want to make poverty history. Um, I dream of a world where every child can go to school and where everyone has access to healthcare and decent housing and, and clean water. Um, you know, sometimes we take these things for granted in our own lives, but um, uh, all around the world, including here in the United States, um, so many people go without. And um, so I dream of a world where those problems have been solved. And I dream of a world where we're no longer destroying our nest. We're the only species that destroys its own nest. This world, this wonderful world that we've been given, um, this wonderful planet. Uh, climate change is upon us. It's real. And um, we only have a few more years to turn around the pace of global warming before um, uh, damage will be irreversible. So I'm, I'm dreaming of a world where we live in harmony, not only with each other, but with the planet. Beautiful. What can our community of everyday heroes do to support you Fair Trade USA, and how can we learn more about your great cause? Oh, well, thank you. I, you know, I, I would encourage everyone to uh, follow us on social media, on, um, on Instagram and Facebook, um, Fair Trade Certified. Uh, we also have on our website, uh, fairtradecertified.org, we have um, uh, product lists so that people who want to know what products out there uh, are available that that have the fair trade certified seal and 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 and, and that promise. Um, so, um, but you know, mostly when when people are in the store, they have a chance to look for that seal and and choose products that actually make a difference um, and choose products that are consistent with their with their values. So my encouragement is um, to shop with your dollars and, and look for products like fair trade that, that are making a difference in the world. And uh, join our movement. We, um, we have a, a grassroots movement around the country. People are, are um, <clears throat> getting fair trade products into their local schools, into their offices, uh, into church. And so there's an opportunity as well to make a difference um, through our, our extended communities. Uh, we're so grateful for the support um, and and uh, so grateful to you, Molly, for helping to um, uh, share some light and, um, and 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 share our message with with your lovely community. Thank you so much, Paul. So appreciate you and your entire team and all of the beautiful farmers, workers, everyone who's on the front line every day providing us with quality, healthy, safe products to use. Thank you to everything that you stand for and all that you do. For those that are watching, please remember to nominate yourself or someone in your community who's making a huge impact. Uh, everyday heroes are the real heroes. So please nominate those that really are making a difference. We'd love to feature them. Visit us at nebula.store communitynetwork.com. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Paul. Really appreciate you. you. Take care for now. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.